Welcome to episode 41 of the Hike or Die Outdoor Adventure Podcast. I'm here with Craig. Say hello, Craig. Hey, mate. How you going? I'm good. Craig, you know how in card games people have can have an ace up their sleeve? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, well, we've had a little bit of a whole podcast episode up our sleeve for some time, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, up our hypothetical sleeve. So we might get that out and uh, share it with the audience. Stay tuned, guys. Thank you, as always, to our regular podcast sponsors for their support. Topo Maps Plus, a phone application that allows you to view topographical maps and track your location even without cell phone coverage. Go deeper into the backcountry. Rios Floating Polarized Sunglasses with 100% UV protection for the love of water. Bluey Merino, Australian super fine merino wool base, mid and top layer garments. Where our story ends, yours is just beginning. Caribbee, one of Australia's leading backpack, travel and outdoor brands. They supply us with dry bags, waterproof day packs, and expedition bags. Supporting our sponsors allows us to continue to produce this podcast. So please jump online and check out what they have to offer. We'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land from which we broadcast today and pay our respects to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners. Craig, it is very rare for me to say, good morning. How are you? <laughs> yeah, Is mate. it not? This is strange. This is weird, and I was wondering, uh, as I was driving over here, we, we had a change of plans, Craig's got the day off, and I said, I'll, I'll come down to the studio and we'll do, this, you know, knock this podcast out in the morning. Usually, if you're not an avid listener, you might not know that we do it very late at night um, mm -hmm. when we've, after we've tended to all of our duties. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if there's any difference in, because people say, oh, that I talk so slow and, um, and other people have said I put them to sleep. So I'm just wondering if I sound any different. It'd be interesting. I'm in a much slower. I'm in a much better mood this time of day, so this oh, is good. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because you're always in a <laughs> like a rubbish mood, and I have to try and lift up the entire podcast it's, vibe by myself. That must be hard every time. Oh, I, let, I, I could spend a whole podcast telling you how hard that is, mm -hmm. but I'll spare you. Uh, I hope everyone's well. We have. Um, oh yeah, we're back. So speaking of the sneaky little um, episode up the sleeve. Quite some time ago, we were out at a place called Summer Falls, and we did a podcast out there. Now, Craig and I were discussing it earlier. I think it was just an intro to um, a podcast, and I um, I don't remember off the top of my head which episode it was. If I find it, I'll drop it in the show notes for reference. But on that same trip, uh, we stayed two nights in the one location, so we had a lot of time. We decided to record another episode, which is basically, I would title it, How to Choose the Perfect Hiking Backpack, or something like that. 
Yeah. Something clickbaity, right? Right. And we sat there and we went through basically everything we knew about backpacks at that point in time, and I'll get to that later. Uh, and we've had that kind of on ice for a while, waiting to do an intro, mm. uh, which is why we're here today. So let me continue, and we'll we'll get back to the uh, backpack stuff in a minute. Yeah, I remember a few times we said, oh, you remember we did that backpack thing? We can just, you know, use that now. We could just do that today. And we never got around to it. It's no, we keep finding, I keep saying, oh, no, I've got too much to talk about, or there's another topic, or... Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we keep putting it aside, but thankfully, you know, the way backpacking um, works, technology hasn't, you know, gone too far ahead. Yeah. And really, I'm only talking about months here. I'm not talking, it wasn't six years ago that we've recorded this. <laughs> so, yeah, things haven't changed. Uh, the Caribbean giveaway, those winners were announced. Um, thanks for everybody who entered. That was a fantastic response. Uh, those packs have been sent. And I tell you what, it's international shipping is a pain in the butt at the moment. <laughs> it's unbelievably slow. And I understand it. I sent the packs out when we, it was flooding in Australia, so mm. there was a massive hold up there. Right, yeah. And then there's limited flights um, still because of the effects of COVID, so it's tough. But uh, anyway, I, I got it done. They've been sent out, and um, yeah, congratulations to those guys who won. That's, they got some great day packs. Uh, I also wanted to say thank you to everybody who has jumped on to Kofi and uh, purchase stickers. I did promise that at the end of the first quarter, so the first financial quarter, I guess you'd call it, uh, I would tally up all of the um, profits and send a percentage over to a like a not-for-profit. Mm -hmm. So um, I'd make a donation to some kind of conservation uh, effort or something and make that international as well so i did that and i thought when i was um you know trying to work out of who to send the first payment to i thought you know what i'm going to send it to soldiers for wildlife who if you remember john was a guest on the podcast yeah sure um, probably well, that that was quite some time ago now maybe two years ago uh and we did a whole uh episode about what um soldiers for wildlife do and how they have a positive impact on the wildlife in Africa. So I thought that was fitting and I contacted John and told him I was going to send him that donation and he was extremely grateful and we got on the phone together and had a big old chat and he told me that he's he's still over there. Um, COVID was really tough on him and the organisation, mm. uh, you know, for staff, all those sorts of things. And, but they're still fighting the good fight and doing great things. And he was, you know, extremely grateful for that donation, which really that donation is not from us. That donation is from everybody who has purchased a sticker on Kofi. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, awesome. So uh, at the end of the next quarter, which is in a couple of months' time, I'll, um, I'll choose another um, fund to go and send the profits to there. And we'll just keep on doing that. So thank you very much to everybody who jumped in and did that. You can go to kofi.com, which is ko-fi.com 
forward slash hike or die and you can purchase those stickers there again obviously proceeds some of the proceeds are going to a wildlife fund thank you very much craig did you get away for easter at all for easter break that's when i got the damn virus oh yeah that's right (laughs) feel guilty now (laughs) I know you've had a good time of it. Well, yeah, so it's been through my house on two separate occasions and uh, I've avoided it. So, um, yeah, yeah, but then the funny thing is, so was it two or three of my family got got COVID and then um, recovered? So we all had to stay home. And then then they got the common cold. Mm-hmm. So now um, the fourth person in those five people, I have, you know, three kids. So there's um, my third son is now getting sick and I'm the only person who hasn't got COVID or, oh no, I'm one of two people who haven't got COVID in my household and one of the only one who hasn't got this year's common cold. Oh, I keep right. dodging it. So they're all on the mend and if they can get through that, in the next couple of days, I th- fingers crossed I may have just gone through. But sorry, you, you yeah. had a wonderful time no. sitting around the house while I was off doing amazing things. Uh, yeah, I'm just getting over it. It was typical sort of cold symptoms, but then I've yeah, just been aching in my bones a bit since then. So I'm, um, yeah, didn't enjoy it at all, mate, I've got to say. I won't tell you anything about what I did then. No, please, don't. We'll just go on with, <laughs> with other boring stuff. Yeah, you got away, didn't you? Yeah, we got away and uh, took the dog for the first for our first hike. All right, Skippy. Yeah, cool. And it was amazing seeing that dog out because I went to obviously that um, property that I've taken you to at Tenerfield. Did you? Yeah, we went there. We were there for about oh, four days. I didn't think I put that together. That's where you went. All right. Yeah, then. we went there and to see that dog just in that environment like yeah. 6000 yeah. acres no wonder rivers yeah. streams um animals everywhere she was just yeah oh man it was epic so we went on some big hikes uh kind of you know almost full day sort of hikes uh we hiked back down to the waterfall where we mm. we mentioned that in an earlier episode cuz you and I actually stayed there yeah um and we did an episode from that cabin okay. if i remember correctly yeah we did an episode from the cabin at that property after we just got back. Yeah. You're looking at me no, so I, confused. Like when you, you said <laughs> the waterfall and then we did a, an episode from there. I was like, no, it was up at the cabin, which isn't the waterfall. I'll get you. Yeah. We know we stayed at the waterfall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we returned to that, which we couldn't do on the previous trip Yep. because it was flooding. But on this trip, uh, got the whole family down there. Swam around in there and the dog went for a swim and we had a little fire. There's a video on Instagram of the the sausages cooking and the coffee boiling. Yeah, see, I saw that. Front of that. And then I wasn't, I thought that must have been some old footage you'd, you'd dug up or something. But no, then I put it together. Yeah, oh, that right. was from um, the recent trip. Because I could tell it was down there. Yeah. Yeah. And I put up another little video of these, it's like these cascading waterfalls. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's a different a different place on the other side of the property right. that uh, the owner and I discovered 
sort of by accident, but the water wasn't flowing. Mm. And uh, this time it was, and it was magnificent. The video is taken from the third tier. Had I have walked down further, which mm. I didn't think of until I got home, I, it was it's a four tier waterfall, which oh, is right. incredible. Yeah, sure. good place for a swim. Yeah. So yeah, everyone was you know. Um, we couldn't get the pump to work to take the water, get the water up to the house. So we were kind of on rations for water up at the cabin. Is that right? So then we ended up every day, we were just down in the creek swimming and slash washing down there, Yeah, <laughs> which is fine. My kids are like so into swimming in cold water now. Like they've got this thing, like they call ourselves the icy boys. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and they want to get in this freezing water. So it's hilarious. Um, no, it was great. It was good. We just had such a blast. The dog had the best time in the world. Yeah, because we've been talking about um, getting away this month, and mm. but you have um, had this responsibility with the dog, and it'd be it's hard mm. to find a place you can take a dog. Man, it doesn't exist. It's so sad when you compare it to um, other countries. There are places you can take a dog to camp beside your car. There are places you can take a dog to hike for the day. There's no combination of a remote uh, campsite where you can hike in with the dog, stay with the dog, hike out with the dog. It just doesn't exist. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, 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 it's sad. And obviously, uh, it's the people that don't look after their animals that are creating these rules for the other people who do. Like, yeah. Even on the entire hike on private property, I had my dog on a lead. Sometimes it was a quite a long lead that mm -hmm. I made out of paracord. Um, but then other times I'd put her on the short lead if we were in, you know, kind of technical terrain where I was worried she was just going to run off a cliff or something. <laughs> I'd put her on the short lead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, sadly they don't exist. So mm. we'll, uh, we'll have to negotiate that hike a different way. Yeah, I get it. Mm. Hey, uh, I've been doing a bit of editing. And I hate mentioning it, but I do it every time. I've got a few videos that are well on their way to being ready. Oh, Some nice. of the footage is quite old, but when I say old, I'm talking like a year or two. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of got back into the flow, really enjoying it. Oh, good. The whole, everything, if, for people that don't know, pretty much I could, I started from YouTube and then branched out to um, you know, the podcast and other things. Um, mm. Whereas now it's almost driven by the podcast and then I, I tend to those things if I get time because I'm quite busy with this part of it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's nice to re re revisit that and I hope to drop them in the near future. Oh, cool. Uh, now, on to exciting news. Obviously, this particular podcast is about, you know, choosing a hiking backpack and we've collaborated again with Caribbee to put another two packs up for grabs, which uh, is pretty cool for you guys. I was talking to Craig earlier and what I really wanted to do with this giveaway, the last giveaway went through Instagram and that was uh, how I you know, presented it and that was how you could enter. But on this one, I really wanted to uh, reward the listeners of our podcast in general of this episode and 
yeah, everyone that supported us. So I specifically want to keep this uh, a podcast-based entry. And the way I'm going to do that is by... I'm going to um, drop a series of three code words throughout the uh, this episode. And in the show notes, I'll have clear uh, information on how to enter. I'll put it right up near the top of the show notes page for this episode once it uh, once it's launched. And if you look in there, that'll tell you how to enter. But basically, you will have to provide the three code words and that will give you an entry. Mm-hmm. If you can give me your Instagram handle, I will give you a bonus entry if you're following caribbee.com as well. But what I really want to do, like I said, is keep this podcast based. And what I didn't want was people who aren't regular listeners to just listen in the start of this just purely to enter the competition and take away the opportunity for the people who stick through every episode and listen right to the end. So I'm not trying to punish the good guys, <laughs> you guys who are here listening through the whole episodes anyway. Uh, it's not meant to be more work for you. It's simply um, to to make sure, you know, to weed out the people who are just trying to win a pack. And as Craig said, you know, the people that listen all the way through on these, it might only be two people that listen to this whole episode. So you've got a 50% chance of winning. Like, who stays around to the end? I don't know. If you get the three code words, you've got a good chance you of winning. You've got a good chance. I reckon you have. <laughs> but where uh, do they put those code words that the others oh, can't? Well, that's the thing is you... Once you go to the show notes, you'll see I'll probably construct a simple form um, that you fill out and submit. Oh, yeah, because you don't want me. to just post exactly, the code no, words. That's exactly it. right. Don't go to Instagram and post the three <laughs> words on on the podcast episode post because, first of all, I'll delete it and that's not going to get you an entry anyway. Sweet. You must go to the show notes on com on the podcast page for episode 41 and see how to enter from there. The first code word is explore. Stay tuned for second and third. You will need all three. Have I made that clear, Craig? Are you getting, I, don't I, want like you, I don't want you entering. You've already got one of these. Hey, I'll tell you about the packs. That would be silly of me not to. We're giving away two, so two separate um, M60 Phantom Rucksacks by Caribbean.com. Uh, I'll read out some of the information uh, directly from their website because, quite frankly, I don't think I could do it justice or rather any better than they have. Boasting military spec design, the Caribbean M60 Phantom Rucksack is ready for any adventure. Constructed using HD900D materials with reinforced load points, the M60 is built for off-grid missions. The convenient front panel, which I actually think is really cool, has zippered access, uh, provides quick access to your gear on the move while the floating hood ensures that you can pack to the maximum amount of gear uh, floating hood is when you're able to extend so the the top of the pack's not sewn in it's it's yeah. on straps and you can extend that higher which means you can pack it higher yeah. uh, it also has lashing points and molly webbing on the outside um, and what they call an action back extreme fixed harness system that minimizes possible failure points and provides long lasting hiking comfort 
both Craig and I own these, and I've taken mine on on a few. It's quite a large pack, but when I do hikes with the family, I quite often carry a lot of their gear. Mm-hmm. So even if I'm on a day hike, sometimes I'll take this 60 liter um, because mm. I just I'm stuffing their rain jackets and stuff in there. So yeah, it seems true. like overkill for some people, but if you got three kids, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah. So that's what's up for grabs. Um, Oh, you're testing my memory here, but I think one was black and one was what I would call like a khaki, sort of that military khaki color from memory. Did you get the, you got the black one. I've got the, I've got the kind of that military desert tan color. Yep. And from memory, there's one of each color. Um, I'm not sure if there'll be an option to choose a preference or if I'll just do it randomly for the winner. Okay. Apologies. I'll decide later. All right. Moving on to um, the task at hand, Craig. Well, actually, no. I'm going to go into a bit of news. What I thought was I've spent a lot of time on the news this week. Not that there's a lot of it, but I spent a lot of time taking us from the lowest of lows to, you know, funny and high all right. Kind of news specifically because in the past I've kind of left us on a downer sometimes. So, <laughs> gotta be careful. Um, so, I'm starting as low as you could possibly go and you'll, you'll get the idea. All right. Um, I was going to ask you, excluding leeches, uh, mm. what would be your biggest fear on a hike? What would be a nightmare hike? What would be something that would. Um, freak you out, scare you, whatever. Uh, well, as far as, yeah, we've always been concerned about a snake bite. Okay. Fair but call. Fair he, call. But more more, more realistic is, is a fall out there where we okay. get yeah. head injury. Both something. good answers. And had we been uh, hikers in the US, we may add some um, animal that would, you know, yeah. rip your face off or whatever. yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's none of those things, Craig, but let, let me just read the, uh, title of this article out to you. Okay. A woman fell into a trailhead pit toilet in Washington <laughs> and we officially have a new nightmare. <laughs> I told you we were starting low, mate. <laughs> just a, if you're a, not familiar a with drop, a what drop a, yeah. yeah, what a, a pit toilet is, it's a, it's also referred to as yeah, like a drop toilet or a long drop. Yeah, uh, they they come in several forms. Basically, they're toilets that don't flush. They don't have a water supply. They store up everything in there. Ah, uh, uh, the gory details. Yeah, it's um, I've I've seen a couple of different types throughout Australia, and sometimes they're just literally a, a hole that they dig super deep and then they put the little kind of cabin on top <laughs> with the toilet yeah, yeah. and then they move that like every couple of years. Yeah, sure. um, yep. And then other times I've seen um, more modern ones, oh, like on the Overland track in Tasmania, yeah. there's a pod like this massive, almost like a fiberglass pod that mm. they move that out, move a fresh one in and then they take that one away by helicopter. Quite incredible. When you yeah, have oh, to... yeah, incredible when you think about what yeah. they're moving out. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, 
we've cleared that up. There's a harrowing story of forty year old woman Sounds in terrible. Uh, Washington. Yeah. It gets kind of gets funny in a way. When she was she dropped her phone in there. Oh. Okay. Right. She dropped her phone in, goodbye into phone. the toilet. Yeah, just but, say oh goodbye. that's 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 what I'm thinking is oh, okay, see ya. See ya. <laughs> that's it. Have I got my car keys? Yep. We're good. See you later. Off we go. <laughs> you know what? I'll drop in the uh, phone store on the way home. All good. Well, it's fallen on top of, let's call it, the pile. And so <laughs> when she's looked down, it was still visible to her. So she she must have been hiking with her dog unless she had this. It doesn't say how she got a dog leash. She may have got that out of her car or something. Because she's trying to use a dog leash mm. to fish it out, hook it out, loop it out or something, which I'm thinking that's pretty futile uh, to start with. Yep, yep. Then she moves one step closer to thinking, oh, I'll use, I'll attach the leash to something and I'll hang on to that, which will allow me to lean lower into the toilet and grab the phone with my hand. No. Yeah. And that's at the point where the leash failed. <laughs> And she slid head first into the toilet. <laughs> That's now, a fail. All right. It gets worse. She, 20, 20 minutes she was in there. No. 20 minutes. Like, could you imagine it? I thought, when I first read the story, I thought, oh, she's fallen in, she's climbed out. Disgusting. Ugh, end of story. But as I read more, 20 minutes, she found her phone and called 911. And so they sent a rescue rescue team out. They had to make a platform in there that she could actually stand on first. Oh, yeah. Because obviously there's no substance. Man, I hope nobody's eating dinner or whatever, oh. listening to this, because this is bad. So then they, then they pulled her out to safety. But hang they, on, they, they wouldn't have arrived in 20 minutes. That sounds a bit unusual No, too. no, no. They, she was in the toilet for 20 minutes and then called 911, oh, I believe. yeah, yeah. Um, she found her phone and was able to call 911, yeah. That would, so, yeah. So the fire department went down there and plucked her out. Uh, I'm with you. I would have expected she fell in and got out, but to be in there for that long. Yeah, well, they say here That's a nightmare. the patient was extremely fortunate not to be overcome by toxic gases or sustained injury. They <laughs> encouraged her to seek medical attention after being exposed to human waste. Um, but as oh, they say, geez. quote, she only wanted to leave <laughs> the scene. <laughs> um, I'm thinking in my car, I have a what I would consider a reasonably large little bottle of hand sanitizer that I keep in the console and I'm thinking that's not, got it. That's not enough man <laughs> that's not enough you need like it I had some kind of an industrial size yeah. bucket or something of it you'd have hoped they had the fire truck there so they could yeah oh that'd be perfect hose it down. The fire department, you guys got the hose still here <laughs> great line me up oh, like one of those scenes from Turn that thing you know like I think at the start of Rambo where they <laughs> put him in prison and then they hose him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be all for that. I'd be like, just hose me until, and <laughs> don't I don't know, until you run out of water and then lather me in hand sanitizer. Jeez. Oh, man. Thanks for that, man. I can't unsee that even though I'm just Horrific. listening to you. 
Yeah. Isn't that just, it's, it's a, you got to laugh. Someone's trying to re- retrieve a, a cell phone. It's just mm. get your priorities straight, people. <laughs> I had a funny um, long drop toilet um, story from the second time I was on the Overland track. Remember, yeah. I did it with a group in mm. the uh, in the private huts. Oh, so I was right. filming yep. that documentary. Yeah, so one of the group came out of the toilet and he said to the um, the tour leader, "I've dropped my reading glasses down there." All oh, right, and she said, "We what?" <laughs> he said, "Yeah, I dropped my glasses down. Like I think I don't know if he bent over or whatever. Like." They went down there, yeah. And he said, "I can see him. Like I look down, I can see him because they're just, obviously they're light, and they just landed straight on top." All right. Um, and she said, "Give me a minute. Like this is a testament to how how cool these guys are. These guys. Yes, give me a minute." She goes around the back, puts like rubber gloves on that go up to her shoulder. Okay. <laughs> and I don't know if she had a mask on or whatnot, but she was able to access the the um top of the pit and um sure enough she said she she put her hand in and they were just gently sitting right on top and she just plucked them straight off and um she used uh yeah like a hand sanitizer type of solution and just put them all over the glasses and then washed them and gave them back to him and he was incredibly grateful because that was only about halfway through the trip and he kind of needed those on a day-to-day basis. Um, so from memory, I think he wore glasses the whole time. So, yeah, that, they might not have just been reading glasses. Either way, she saved the day with the, with an, an, a, a mega effort beyond yes. what I'd expect that, somebody that, to do for me. That is an effort for sure. <laughs> you know I mean, I was thinking if I was uh, one of those guys, i go, oh, really? Oh, you dropped your glasses? Ah, oh, yeah, they're gone. They're gone. Gone forever, mate. I actually don't have access to the toilet. I cannot get them, even if I wanted to. So on we go. Here's a stick. Use that to find your way around the next three days. Use this hiking pole. Yeah. Ah. Anyway, that's the end of that. Uh, this is an interesting one, and and I and I include this in news, even though it's more about a um, a film, or rather a uh, a film put together by it pains me to say this, but Disney. Uh, they've put to, together a film called it's part of some Explorer series, and it's called The Last Tapui. Now, way, way, way back in podcast history for us. I spoke about a film that I found. Um, now, a tapui is, they're in South America, and they're these enormous, enormous tabletop mountains with sheer cliffs. And so they're basically never touched by humans unless you get choppered in. Mm. Uh, and, and when I spoke about this, it must have been almost two years ago, maybe more, when I spoke about a... Dr. Bruce Means, who I believe is a biologist, in the in the first short film that I shared, he was already 71 at that time, and he got helicopter dropped on top of one of these tapuis, mm. and uh, 
he discovered he wanted to check out this type of frog mm -hmm. that had obviously existed up there, but nowhere else. There was, it was a variant of a frog, a toad rather, that existed down in the normal jungle, mm. but these things are so ridiculously elevated. So in that, he was able to explore, obviously, the tops of these. They're also referred to as a mesa. Um, so these tabletop mountains, but then sometimes in between there's these massive inaccessible canyons where no human has ever stood before. Mm. And so he got dropped, rappelled down into that with a professional climber and stayed the night down there <clears throat> recording sounds and trying to find, with his head torch, trying to find one of these things. Mm. Uh it's not a spoiler alert because I'm not talking about this film. He does end up finding them. It's, it's a fascinating video. So I found the original. But what this is, is this is a, a return to the Tapuis. And he was able to, as I said, explore the top of these messes and in these giant crevasses. But he's never been able to explore the actual side of these cliffs. Mm -hmm. And so there's, they're part of their team rang Alex Honnold, who you'd be familiar yeah, with right. from the film Solo. Uh, or is it Free, Free Solo? Free Solo, Free yep. Solo. Uh, and they said, well, if we're going to the most crazy uncharted place, we should get the most experienced climber. Mm. So they take him there and chuck him on the side of these tapuis and... Um, just so you know what I'm talking about, Craig, I'll spin my laptop around. That's what we're talking about. Oh, yeah, so right. This here is, you know, jungle and there's obviously civilization out there at some point. But this these cliffs go the entire circumference. There's not, you don't mm. go walking up there, you don't hike up there, you can't even rock climb up there because nobody's done it before. Yeah. So, yeah, that, it was quite interesting. Um now, obviously, I'm only talking about the trailer here. It's not... Uh, the trailer dropped on the 9th of April. Um, so I can't comment on the actual film, but it was cool to see this, good. Um, this return. It was cool to see... So I think if you're talking about a remote place like that and how volatile it is and how important it is to conserve it mm. and then you bring in someone like Alex, Alex Honnold who has such a huge positive influence on all, the whole outdoor community mm -hmm. and is such a household name then I think you're just adding clout to getting more eyes to kind of see this and say well hey let's make sure that stays protected Yeah, uh, and you don't start doing helicopter tours on top with a cabin and all this sort of crazy stuff uh, not that any of that is in the pipeline. And, and and they're still searching for these frogs, is that right? Oh, no, this is a different... So, basically, they're just checking out the cliff faces, yeah, which right. they've never Have a look checked at. out. No, they found the toads in the um, previous film. Yeah, right. It was funny because I watched it again, and he finds it. He doesn't find it overnight. He stays the whole night, mm. and then he's sitting there the next morning and looks on a leaf, and there's one right in front of him, a little baby. It's a nice segue to um, what we're about to introduce here, mate. What are we introducing? You know how we're um, doing our podcast where we were sitting amongst... Oh, yeah. Hey, that, I didn't even think of that. That's a really uh, interesting point. Yeah, we... This... Uh, <laughs> I forgot to mention that when you... When we transfer over to the 
to this podcast about backpacking, we're actually sitting in a creek at the time. You can imagine that we're actually... Um, you, yeah, you could exactly. We, you could imagine we're on one of these tapuis because um, I was just saying, to Craig, some of the most unique frog sounds are in this podcast that you're going to hear today, mm. and they're from a very specific frog from that very specific region. Yeah, and they're absolutely gorgeous, um, little bright yellow frogs yeah it's one of the, the reasons i want you guys to hear this podcast is because of those sounds mm. i think it's incredible and they're real because we're sitting there in there at night too just to be clear we recorded the intro to the other podcast during the day and then this one and was, then that evening yeah. we said hey let's because we weren't tired let's go and sit down and punch out another episode and sit in the creek because it you know might um there mm. might be some interesting sounds. Well, yeah, sure enough, this yeah. is... It's really cool. This is um, the frog cast. <laughs> That's right. Totally. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's legit. Uh, this is a funny one. I said I'd end the news on a, on a high. You know those uh, old school kind of... They're, they're more prevalent in the States, those posters that they would have for national parks? Yeah. Like... Um, they're kind of hand-drawn. Yeah. I picked up a postcard in Tasmania of the Overland track, actually, and, and it was done in that style. Very, very cool. US listeners will immediately understand what I'm talking about. Well, this artist, uh, let me just grab her name because I think it's well worth crediting her. Uh, she's an illustrator called Amber Share, And what she did was... Um, Every single one of the 62 national parks in the United States have at least one one-star review on Yelp. Yelp's a platform not unlike kind of Google reviews where you can review your experience. Mm -hmm. So every single national park has at least one. Um, so she decided to make posters of these and put, in her words, uh, I believe, put a fun spin on a negative mindset. <clears throat> and uh, she calls the the gallery, or the series, Subpar Parks. And it's 62 illustrations with hand lettering of each national park. And she uses the Yelp, <laughs> the Yelp review as the kind of, how would you say it, like the, the tagline for that national park, like, Yosemite yeah. Park, uh, great largest national park in whatever it might yeah. be. She's replaced that with yeah. the Yelp review. So um, I'll, I'll show you. Um, Give us one. I'll read out some. There's some absolute crackers here. Joshua Tree National Park. I'm sure you're all well familiar with that, even if you're not from mm. the States. You yeah. know the Joshua yep. Trees are fantastic. So this poster just says, um, the only thing to do here is walk around the desert. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Yeah, for sure. So look at the, um, I'm going to show cool. you the style of it. See what I mean? Like the, that old oh, school kind of. Just walk around yeah. the desert. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some more out to you. No cell service and terrible Wi-Fi. That's um, Isle Royal National Park. Uh, let me fix it. There are bugs and they will bite you on the face. Sequoia National Park, established 19 or 1890. Trees block view and there are too many grey rocks. That's Yosemite National Park. Now, 
I've been to Yosemite National Park. I agree. There's too many grey rocks. Was that your review? Yeah, that, they got that off me. I, <laughs> I should get some kind of credit for that poster. Uh, what's this one here? There was no one except us. That's horrible. Why would you want to go to Voy... What is it? Voyagres? I don't even know how to pronounce that. National Park. Um, because there's no people there. <laughs> Rubbish. Bryce Canyon National Park. Too orange. Too spiky. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Denali National Park and Preserve. Barren Wasteland of Tundra. Yeah. I hope she's selling shirts as well, man. That's Banff cool. National Park, another big name in the national park world. Yeah. Not really the best place. <laughs> Not really the best place. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know Yellowstone National Park with those, the geysers, the natural geysers yeah. that shoot water like 54. Um, save yourself some money, boil some water at home, Yellowstone National Park. <laughs> 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 Oh, man. Oh, here's yeah. a good one. Uh, Zion National Park. You, you're familiar with Zion, right? Yeah. Another absolute cracker with the, the narrows and yep. those. Oh, absolutely. Scenery is distant and impersonal. <laughs> <laughs> Death Valley National Park. Ugliest place I've ever seen. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I love it. I'll post a link to that article because you can scroll through um, in your own time and there's more. There's many, many more. Grand Canyon National Park, a hole, a very, very large hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Moving on, moving on to the Tom's Magical Mystery Media Mashup, or rather it's just film today. Yeah. I've stumbled across a... A few little things that I think you might like to check out on YouTube. Uh, one of these I showed to you, well, last week, was it, when I came over, or a week before? Um, but I'll get to that. This first one is called Sounds of the Pacific Northwest, a cinematic travel film. It's a short film, and whilst it's, it is beautifully shot, uh, obviously it's the Pacific Northwest, but they've spent a lot of time on the soundscape. So they've spent more time invested in, you know, hearing footsteps on gravel and water in a stream uh, than perhaps trying to tell any specific story. But if you're looking for a few minutes, uh, five minutes of, I would say, immersion, mm. beautiful, um, a beautiful experience, then go and check out that um go check out that clip i'll put it in show notes obviously uh it's it's quite beautiful it's cool to watch uh now because i know you love heights so much i've also included a a short film or rather it's it's kind of like an episode of this guy's um vlog called um be uh a night on the edge bivaco Ronconi, I've probably pronounced that horribly. It's um, on the border of Italy and Switzerland. It's a cabin that sits at over 3,000 metres elevation. Mm. Just comprehend that. It's pretty high. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, and 
I'll, I'll put a link to the clip, obviously. He, he has some nice stuff on the rest of his YouTube channel as well. But I want to show you one still from... I've just paused the video here, Craig, and I'm going to turn this around. It's a shot of about halfway through the video when he um, hikes up to that level and finally gets to the um, cabin. He stays there the night, but I believe it must be the next morning he sends his drone out and does some sweeping kind of views and... That's the kind of view, like that's the cabin perched on this horrific wow. spine. And to just give context, I do have the volume off, which is a good thing. You'll see um, yeah. as he does flyovers where the actual cabin is located. Oh, man, that's, yeah. It, it's creepy. Look at that. It's a creepy... Uh, there is death no See, matter where you turn. This is the best height. shot. Look at that. It as he pans out. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Oh, wow. Deathly spine of just rock. Too much grey rock oh. for my liking. I'd, I'd say that's too much grey rock. <laughs> that's your if review. If I had to review it. And on this spine is this tiny cabin. And it's horrific to look at. It's it's scary. But yeah, I'll, I'll include that. It's It's a cool little video of his experience uh hiking up or rather climbing up to that cabin staying the night yeah very cool very cool mm. uh the next one i wanted to mention was that it was that short film i showed you called the mountains yeah remember that we watched that it was just basically um it was kind of this guy talking about like the voiceover is this guy talking about his experiences in the mountains and why he always returns. Remember this shot, Craig? You remember the video I'm talking about? Wow, yeah, that's epic. Yeah, he, yeah. Does, he does a lot of beautiful drone photography through um, this incredible um, landscape. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah, that's nice. Um, Dennis Barbas is his YouTube channel, but... As I said, I'll put this clip in the show notes and you can check it out. It's uh, it's only another short one, sort of six and a half minutes of, you know, pure beauty. Very cool. <clears throat> I'm going to finish off with something completely different. And, I mean, you could be thinking, how does this fit in with um, hiking in the outdoors? But but you'll you'll see, and I'll get to that. There's this guy called, uh, let me just try and find his name, David bird i'm not sure if that's his real name i have to assume it is david m bird that's his youtube channel either way he used to um work for lego and he used to design uh, there was a range of lego called the bionicles I'm not sure you've got kids but yeah, it's probably pre yeah. your time <clears throat> these you would build these, so it was nothing to do with the regular Lego of the little minifigs. It was, you get to build these kind of creatures mm -hmm. with spiky heads and yep. full kind of articulated joints and everything. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that was the Bionicle. So he used to design these things. Right. It's like then, Meccano style. Yeah, a little bit more technics. Technica. Yeah, technics. it's kind of close to the technics range than, <clears throat> the, than the minifig range, but it still has some parts from, yeah, from that. So. Yeah. Uh, very cool stuff. So he was a designer really? of those characters. Yeah. And then he left that. Um, I think he just kind of got a little bit burned out in that particular kind of corporate industry mm -hmm. or whatever. But he's now got this side project that he calls Beacorns. And 
he takes things out of nature and most he'll use an acorn and he'll build around an acorn and he'll make a character and then he'll meticulously set this character up in the wild and then he'll sit there with a remote camera or he'll he'll kind of hide at one point he's hiding in his house in this video he shows you kind of behind the scenes he's sitting in his house waiting for a squirrel to turn up <clears throat> to this particular acorn so he can take a photo and he creates these beautiful scenes where these characters that he calls beacorns are kind of interacting with nature oh, right. almost yep. like they become um, not saviors, yeah, maybe saviors, but protectors, saviors of nature, providers of nature, these little guys. And often they'll make big spiky swords and that, you know, purely for them to not defend themselves, but to mm. fight and help nature. And uh, it's uh, it's fascinating. So the, the video is uh, his whole kind of work process and it shows him building uh, these beacons, which are, absolutely gorgeous but what the tie-in back to what we do and the time we spend in the outdoors is he will capture the interactions between his beacon and some form of wildlife in this picture i'm about to show you mm -hmm. he's propped this beacon on a particular flower almost as if it's sitting on the flower and holding it down for the purposes of a hummingbird to come and get nectar from it, almost like it's guiding the hummingbird in. Mm. And I'll show you this picture and you'll you'll kind of, like that's a photograph that he's taken. Oh, right. So he'll create this character, set it up in nature, and then... The hummingbird comes when in. The hummingbird comes to the flower, he gets that shot, and but it, it makes a story. And there's yeah. plenty with squirrels where... He'll put um a little he'll make a little basket of seed. Yeah. And he'll have the beacorn holding the seed and then the squirrel comes up and yeah. eats the seed and it looks like it's feeding. It's it, if you want to, you know, to go to that kind of childlike realm of of fantasy and pixies and fairies and all that stuff. This this yeah. is a f absolutely beautiful. Well, that's a cool idea. Fun um yeah, absolutely beautiful. And he's got a a really cool Instagram um channel as well account rather and yeah you can he puts up shots mm. of new characters and stuff and it's it's really taken off just in the time that i've discovered him which was maybe two months ago mm. um it's really seems to be taken off for him and and when you look at that you yeah. can see why he mm. sells these prints too on his um on his own website which i think is fantastic i'd, I'd have something like that in my Good house one. yeah that would be popular for sure <laughs> yeah really cool something worth checking out something completely different all right craig should we delve into the actual uh the meat of this of podcast the, the frog cast yes we should the frog cast. Yeah. we absolutely should there's one uh clarification that we wanted to make coming into this and that is at the time of recording this podcast, we neither of us had a traditional external frame pack. Craig had what I would term as a kind of a hybrid external frame, and I'll get into that into a second in a second. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and at the time, um, this was the episode where I literally broke my pack the night before. Yeah, that's right. That's what. That's what. That's what got us thinking. Us to think about you know selecting a good pack because I was just about to have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so we um, I broke my pack. We we I use my backup pack. We head out. We do this hike. Yeah. And so at the time I was using internal frame packs, and for that reason we didn't really want to go into the whole external frame because it. I wasn't really that familiar with her. It was just something we'd seen from afar. Yeah, yeah. Since then, however, uh, the next pack that I did purchase to replace, replace the damaged one was, in fact, a full external frame in the that kind of quintessential, if you look at it from the side, it's that L-shaped load-bearing frame, like an actual shelf where you can, you know, you can sit something on there. The straps attached to the frame the frame attaches to the pack in my case the packs interchangeable um, i can change the sizes now where this gets a bit tricky is we're craig and i were having this discussion um and he said oh my packs my new pack is external and he mentions this in the podcast um he says well i've got an external frame pack and i said oh i don't i'm not sure it's an external frame he said yeah come and have a look at it since sure enough it's an external frame, but it's really weird. It's almost like a hybrid because if you ask the question, does your pack have an external frame? The short answer is yes, 100% does. If you go further and say, does it fit into that, what I would call that stereotypical, more traditional L-frame shelf, then no, it doesn't. Mm. It's a weird thing in between where, yes, it's still a set of, shoulder and hip straps on a suspension system which allows you to change out interchange the pack uh to suit the hike that you're coming up on a day hike put a smaller pack on that same chassis you've got a long haul hike coming up put a bigger pack on the same chassis you're maintaining the chassis changing the uh what attaches to that frame this new pack that i have is is what I would consider a more traditional external frame in that you can see the big rectangular frame. It sticks out the top, the sides. You can see from the side that it has an L-shaped shelf. My um, straps attach to that frame and then I can interchange my pack. I can put a small um, day pack on there and still use the same chassis or I can put a massive pack on there, which I usually do. So obviously there's no frame packs, which are your smaller day packs. And we do mention those in this episode, but I just thought it was important to maybe point out that um, at the time we were a little confused around that, that hybrid pack, which is falls somewhere in between in a strange place. Now, maybe there's a word for that in the outdoor world that we're not familiar with. I, I struggled to find any reference to something in between, but, that's the best I can do. Yeah, I'm not sure if if we did call it um, an external pack, an external frame pack in this podcast that we're about I to do. I don't think. think we did reference yours because no. at the time I didn't know that it was external. That's right. I literally did not know that your 
pack was interchangeable. So I didn't even hint on it in the podcast. No, no, we talked about it. Since. It was it was after that that I said, "Oh, hey, Craig, I've got an external frame now. Um, I'll need to do a slightly different intro." to this podcast and you said well mine's external as well and that's when we went down this rabbit hole so i'll just quickly touch on my experience with the full external frame so that is 100 percent big rectangular rectangular yeah. um frame yeah i i find it i love it i absolutely love it i love how um because of the the frame it's made from um like this heavy duty material that actually twists. So my, if I move my shoulders sort of back and forth, the hips are obviously attached to the frame as well, but they'll actually twist and you can get it, sit it on the ground and you can twist it back and forth. And I love that because it feels quite agile on your back, even when it's maxed out. Yeah, that's um, good. Yep. Something else I like is it creates a little area where I can slide things down in between the pack and the um <clears throat> and the frame and whatever I stick down there is not going to jab me in the back yeah. in fact anything I put in my pack I could sh um, shove a fry pan and my camping stove and everything in my pack and it never comes in physical contact with my back only the sh only the hips and the shoulders touch the frame yes and the, the, another reason this leads me to another point why I like it so much, and that is there's less pack touching my back, which in Australian summer hiking or even in um, yeah, even at the, now, if we hiked right now, it's, it's muggy, it's hot and sweaty out there. And the only thing that touches my back now are the shoulder straps and the waistband. I yeah. don't have any, there's a, you could stick your arm through between my back and the pack and that airflow is obviously airflow, yeah, advantageous to um you know to my comfort levels the ability to be able to put my pack down on the ground now and it sits upright and just stays there and i can walk away and do something it sounds like a silly little um pro but i absolutely love it it's gone are the days where i have to kind of i prop my pack up against a tree and then I turn around to do something, I turn back and it's fallen over and stuff's fallen out the top. Like, uh, it, it sounds <laughs> trivial, but I don't know. It's, some of these things that sound trivial are a big deal when, you, when you've when you been hiking all day. Yeah, I've just found this thing I was going to tell you about. I, um, I think it was a well-known website too, but that's the problem. I can't tell you where it was from, but it's got the pros and cons of external frame packs because I think I was trying to work out if mine is a true fr external frame or not. And yeah. like you said, it's some sort of hybrid. And it says here, unless you have a thing for antiques, I wouldn't recommend external frame packs. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's no one. So cheaper than an internal frame, great ventilation, good for carrying heavy loads. But um, it's not common, not popular, and can't take it. They reckon you can't take it on public transport. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's yeah, ridiculous. I'll obviously in the show notes I'll put um any pack that we specifically reference I'll put in. Now, what we did also in this just quickly touch on is we tried to stay away from brands and um models in this entire podcast. And the reason we did that was we didn't want any stigmas or any existing um brand bias in you the listener to 
quickly judge what we were talking about, if that makes sense. I think mm. it was better we were talking about a type of day pack and describing that day pack, what mm -hmm. to look for in that day pack, the pros, the cons, those sorts of things, no matter what brand the day pack is, okay? Because your budget is going to vary differently from the next person, and I think that's important. So it doesn't matter what your budget is, you can use the information in this podcast to try and tick as many boxes as you possibly can, as your budget will allow. Yeah. So that's why we've stayed away from any kind of brand name dropping, even to the point I don't, I'm not sure you even mentioned yours no. um, in there. In fact, I'm almost positive we don't, but I'm happy to put the links in the show notes. That's absolutely fine. Yeah, good move. Because you'll get an idea of, I mean, to say that um, my uh external frame pack is antiquated is that's just that's just somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about that's right. and i'm not even defending my own pack i'm saying once you have a look at um the chassis and the technology behind it and the way that it twists with your body mm. and something we mentioned in the podcast is how much weight we carry yeah with filming gear so all of those things come in so I won't, uh, I don't want to sound like I'm defending my pack because I'm not. It works for me and your pack works for you, but it's worth checking out all options before you go in and spend what I consider to be one of the largest, aside from say your tent, your tent, your sleeping setup and your pack would have to be mm. the, th the largest. I'd say even, well, put it this way, my pack was twice the price of my over two and a half times the price of my boots, which are already expensive. Yeah. Um, my hammock system, it was getting close to double my hammock system, which is a very expensive hammock. So it's a big, yeah, big, big, big expense. And, and you don't want to get it wrong. Important decision for sure. It's a big sure. decision. So hopefully we cover enough in this podcast to at least set you on the right track or get you into the right conversations or get you doing the right research which is important. That's all I've got to say, mate. All right, let's 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 get into it. Now, don't forget, listen out for the second and third secret code words that I'll drop into this podcast. Jump over to the show notes. Uh, you could be in the running to win your own Caribbean backpack. All right, take care, guys. Talk to you next time. Welcome, guys. We are currently sitting in, what would you call this, Craig? It's kind of like a canyon of sorts. Yeah, a little gorge. A little gorge, yeah. Good description. We have an audience of two <laughs> frogs, probably a metre away from me, two metres away. And I just looked, my head torch just shone into that water, Craig. Can you see the... Giant oh, shrimp. That's a big one. It's a monster. I think there's another one attacking the bottom of your tripod. That's what I was looking at. Big oh course. no, there's one to the left. It's even bigger. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like Craig's two legs of Craig's um, tripod for the microphone are in the water, and two shrimps have immediately come up. Yeah. And started, you know, trying to 
eat it. <laughs> Rip it apart. Had a go at you yesterday, eh? Yeah, the same ones that were trying to nip me in the water. Yeah. This area is famous for these little golden frogs. I don't know what they're called. I really should have looked, but I've stayed in an area not far from here, and there's these guys are prolific if you go for a night walk around the water. They're really beautiful. But we're not here to talk frogs, are we, Craig? No, what are we talking about tonight, Tom? We are going to share everything we've learned about hiking packs. Mm-hmm. Exciting stuff for any hiker. Uh, even if you're seasoned or beginner, I would think. It's a hot topic this week because quite literally 30 minutes before Craig and I were leaving for this trip, one of the shoulder straps broke off my pack that I've been using for about seven years, which rendered it completely useless. So there was no way of repairing it, no way of putting a spare strap or anything on. It's actually snapped off at the bag. So it was a huge dilemma. And I guess over the course of the last two days or so, we spent a fair bit of time talking about the pros and cons of packs that we have had, uh, currently do have. You know, obviously I'm using my backup pack for this trip. Craig's, um, what are you on to? About your third yeah, serious pack? Yeah, I'm, so this is my one, two, yeah, so I'm on to around about my third if you include the backup pack. And uh, I mean, aside from that, we've got a bunch of smaller packs that suit various uses, and we'll get into that. We'll, we'll break it down into kind of pack size and the sort of things that you should be keeping an eye on if you're looking at purchasing. What we also wanted to make clear, I guess, was that we are not ultralight hikers by any means. We don't claim to be, and through our decision-making process, uh, weight is not always, the, you know, the number one requirement. Mm. It, it's quite often comfort, so that we can do two, three, four, six, seven, eight, or ten days with a pack um, averaging you know, a, f a significant amount of weight because we carry a lot of audio and, and um, filming gear and creature comforts like Craig's slippers. They <laughs> have to carry a pair of slippers every time. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. See, they like my slippers. But no, you can't confirm that that's positive um, croaking. <laughs> you think that that disapproves? Well, that could be negative croaking. Of these cam shoes, you reckon? Wow, that was pretty cool. These frogs are, as I said, one's a metre away from me and he, and he started croaking then. There's one down the stream. Wow, that's going to continue to put me off. Uh, back to my point, yeah, we're not ultralight hikers. Never have we claimed to be. No, the pack weight comes into it. We look at that, but of course it's got to be built for purpose. Exactly right. And uh, inevitably, I mean, we'll get to all of this, but inevitably uh, durability comes with weight for the most part, although we are moving into a lot of new technologies these days with fabrics, but it still doesn't take away the fact that a solid frame is... is uh, is going to require some extra weight. Yeah, it's to, it goes to say that a lot of the, the ultralight packs are for carrying ultralight gear. 
That's a good point um, too. And when we're putting up to 20Ks on our back, you, you need a, you know, a, a different sort of pack. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Yeah, if, you, if you're getting an ultralight pack and then packing normal gear in it and trying to carry 25 yeah. kilos, you're oh, going to no. start to have dramas. Uh, it's probably going to be a painful experience and you'll probably damage the pack. Yeah. So, yeah, that's one thing I wanted to say. And, and the other thing is, at the end of all this, take in what you can, but do your own research from there. It's important because every single person has very slightly different uh, requirements, uh, very slightly different comfort requirements. You know, there could be someone with shoulder injuries, back injuries, uh, all sorts of stuff, uh, or things that you just won't go without. So that all needs to be factored into your final decision making. But we can certainly give you a lot of guidance along the way. Uh, I guess So I guess in a nutshell, the purpose of this episode will be to introduce you to all of those requirements so the different elements of a pack that you should be considering and then how that fits into different purposes we'll also share a whole bunch of our mistakes and pain points i'm guessing along the way (laughs) they'll inevitably come out in conversation here Uh, as always the goal is to perhaps help somebody out there steer clear of a little pain point that we've hit by just hearing us talk about it and think well you know i'll I'll never buy a pack that has that (laughs) or at least i'll i'll assess the situation before i go ahead and buy it uh so yeah obviously it's such a broad topic that it and it's because it's not one size fits all it's it's really just going to be an overview but it'll be enough to, I guess, set you on your way and you'll have enough points to focus on, at least all the basics. What do you reckon, Craig? Yeah, that's that's it. We just, just thought we'd talk about, um, you know, the, the three main types of packs, which is some really, really small packs that you may um, hit the trail at pace with and just carry the bare, bare minimum stuff. And then you talk about, like, perhaps a full day pack, which has to um, get you from the morning... Uh, back to the car in the evening and then we might talk about yeah some some overnight packs which have to carry a fair bit of stuff and and multi-day packs very good craig that's what i thought we'd talk about no that's exactly that's what, you what said we talk about. Talk about. yeah that's what i said we talk about so <laughs> you've nailed it uh some of the fundamentals that are going to apply to all the packs as we go through is there's always going to be a budget versus quality conversation and that is not really ours to have that's kind of yours to decide as you go exploring the internet or the shops or whatever you do because we're not going to um, dictate sort of what we consider expensive or what the next person considers expensive ultimately through our experience craig would you agree that um Extra money, unfortunately, um, brings extra comfort and durability in most purchases. Yeah, the frog agrees. 100%, mate? Okay, very good. <laughs> yeah, good. So, he's in? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, in, and that goes for, I'd have to say that goes for 99% of my hiking gear is you, you pay a bit more, it lasts longer, it works better. So, yeah. 
again, budget something that you have to navigate yourself. Definitely the purpose of the pack, Craig's touched on there, but not, not so much the duration you're going to use it for, but exactly how you intend using it. There's a lot of good packs on the market. For example, this is, this is an example to show you how broad it can be. This pack specifically designed for uh, the day hiker who is an avid sort of landscape photographer and all the compartments are built in uh, to hold lenses and all sorts of stuff and they're waterproof and which is very 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 different to the hiker who's purely going out on the same terrain for completely different reasons. Oh for sure there's some that have got a roll top on them and you can jump into creeks with them you know. Yeah so. yeah we, we own those and and I've used um, I've used that on a couple of hikes, and again, fit for purpose, absolutely perfect pack yep. for that day and what I was using it for. So um, yeah, make sure you got an idea of what you want to be doing with it. But also, a lot of people are going to have a very broad spectrum, and for that reason, you're going to have to choose a pack that ticks a few boxes. And in that way, you're going to have to put up with a few things, perhaps, that don't quite fit right, if you know what I mean. Do you get what I mean, Greg? Like, yeah, stretching it across a couple yeah, of purposes. If, if you're stretching it across a couple of things, you're not going to tick every box. Uh, mm. That would be my, you know, from my experience, it would definitely be the case. And as we talk through packs and pack sizes, these conversations are going to come out, and you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, the last point on the fundamentals is when I said before that uh, money equals comfort and durability, lightweight gear also equals big dollars, and I put three dollar signs on my notes. Big dollars. Yeah, yeah. It, it's crazy, and that goes with again. It goes with all hiking gear. If I want a stove that's. 40 grams it's going to be um twice the price of a, a stove that's 100 grams you know yeah that's it's the same that's always away always away so um i guess that's why we're not ultralight hikers because we're pretty tight with our money can't afford it can't afford it yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> why so we've got to walk around like we carry so much we, on our back we just have um hessian sacks old potato sacks that we, oh, right. we have over our shoulders <laughs> uh if you hear this noise throughout the uh, podcast, we're in the wild. I don't have any electronic devices. I've got um, pieces of paper with writing on it. Just tucking that one away. All right, Craig. Uh, as you were saying, mate, we're going to start on the short hike. And on the short hike, I'll probably dip slightly into trail running as well, even though I guess that's kind of a subject of its own i will dip into that just from my own experiences yeah sure okay um so the the day hike or the short hike pack in my opinion it's it's the one where i guess you, you could say you could make the most mistakes with choosing it because you'll get away with more mistakes and what i mean by that if it's not the most comfortable pack uh you're only you're only going out for two hours or four hours or whatever you consider to be a short hike then you're probably going to get away with with perhaps buying a cheaper pack and just kind of dealing with it especially if it's not something you do all the time 
it's probably not going to require a waistband unless it's to limit movement I would say like if if it's trail running pack or even my I've got a quite a small day pack and it's got a it's got a waist strap and it just stops it flapping on your back that's that kind of comes down to personal preference I think for a small pack like that would you agree Craig yeah for sure it's not necessary no it's not it's not necessary and 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 the thing is with a pack this small the waistband's not actually taking weight off your shoulders it's purely there to just stop it slapping against your back every single step Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas in the bigger packs that we'll get to the waistband actually takes the weight off your shoulders so it's very 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 different uh, use of a waistband Obviously, it's going to be physically small. My uh, trail running pack, for example, is so small that it can fit a two-litre water bladder and you can just squeeze your keys in and a mobile phone and maybe uh, like a power gel or something, and that's it. But that's a very, very specifically designed pack. Mm. almost to the point that that's not really what we're talking to today but i just wanted to touch on that i guess touching on that is important because i don't want someone to walk in to a store to buy a day hike or a half day hike pack and buy the smallest thing thinking that that's the best decision at the time (laughs) because inevitably you're always going to find gear to fill the bag uh something like a bladder even at that small level is I wouldn't say it's important but it, it's definitely worth considering I've got a 8 liter pack and I carry a 2 liter hydration bladder in that but I've still got plenty of room to put a little first aid kit my phone keys and everything so it works out pretty well to take this slightly bigger pack and be able to take snacks and all sorts of stuff like that. What sorts of stuff do you shove in for a real short hike? Yeah, because I don't take a pack for trail running. I've never had that experience, but I do take a little tiny pack on a day trip on just a little walk with the kids for, for an hour or two. And it's... It's, yeah, so it's something where you can think about whether you do want to put a bladder in there or whether you just want to put a, a litre bottle in there. And that's that's something that I think defines what sort of bag you buy, is whether it's going to accommodate the, the bladder or not. But yeah, I just take um, make sure that I've always got a phone or some communication, even it, it, especially if, you, if you're going somewhere for the first time. Hmm. Um, so that said... Just that and some water and make, you don't need much in there if no. you're just leaving the car for a couple of hours. Yeah, and maybe just a mini first aid kit, even if it's just band-aids or something. But yeah, even on a small pack, it's nice to have a few different pockets so that you can put the keys away and forget about them. We can have another pocket where you've stuffed um, a bunch of snacks or whatever. I think... Um, they can go a bit crazy with pockets, but to be honest, my the, the smallest pack I've got above the trail running pack has got a whole bunch of pockets all through it, and I use all of them when I when I take it out because um, it's just great to 
to move things apart. It doesn't seem like a big deal, but it'd be like saying, well, I'm just gonna give you a sack and you just chuck all your stuff in that. And now I wanna conveniently pull out the exact thing I wanted, like um, I wanna grab my keys now, but it, you could be anywhere, mm. right? So, uh, pocket's good. A sternum strap is something that's optional that goes between uh, the kind of left and right shoulder straps and on a small pack like that it's optional but again if you're going to do any sort of jogging or even if you're kind of rock scrambling or th something you wouldn't want the pack sliding around uh, like if you were climbing some of the local mountains that we live near I'd definitely say like a sternum strap's a great idea because it just means you it's never going to slip off your shoulder right oh. it's just holding those two together it's keeping it against your chest and yeah they're definitely worth worth um considering i think if you get hike uh, if you get a pack that's not purpose-built for hiking you're probably not going to see those things and that should be a bit of a red flag to think about well is that actually a pack fit for hiking or is it just a, a kind of a cheap generic brand mm. you got anything to add to the the smallies craig uh, no look i think smallies is hard to talk about because as you i really liked how you said it's got more room for making an error because it's uh, it doesn't have to have such a strict purpose um you just got to be able to whoa what are <laughs> they doing oh my gosh Oh, they're having a bit of fun over there, those frogs. Wow, it just landed right on its head. I'm, oh, this one's come in I'm now. I'm shocked with kill. what I just saw. I don't know if we're going to get murdered. Is this the second time in two days we things have tr tried to attack us? Yeah, pretty much. It's but, a brutal, dangerous world out here. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's brutal. It's hard to concentrate. No, sorry guys, I lost it, but I was saying... <laughs> something about a big frog fell will jump deliberately jump from a meter and a half and just smacked down on frog. this other one's head and i don't know if he aimed for him yeah but they surely they're not fornicating yeah i think they are I don't know, that was quick <laughs> quickest i've ever seen and right in front of us under lights yeah he's going again but it was just a, a second bang and then off oh jeez Anyway, that was odd, <laughs> slightly awkward. Yeah, no. sorry, mate. You, you, you're talking about uh, you're talking about small packs, and that the there is more room for error. Yeah, and and you can you can take a slightly bigger pack and and, and strap it down to become a small pack, and it it just depends on mm. on what purpose you need it for. So um, that is a very very good point. Small is packs. a very very good point across the board. Everything we're talking about is you can always take a pack that's too big for the occasion, put less things in it, and if it's a half-decent pack, it's going to have side straps and mm. things like that, and you'll be able to cinch everything down mm. all the way, suck it all in, mm. and still use it for a two-hour hike oh, or a sure. half-day. Um, all of my favourite packs, you can just strap them right in tight, and there's mm. hardly any volume inside it, and that, that works well. Yep. Uh, it, I guess when you're talking about a small pack like the one I take on shorter hikes, it's um, the profile on your back is physically smaller, so 
the width of the pack um, is not even as wide as my back. Mm. Yeah, so, so right, it's yeah. it's just tiny. You forget it's there. You can you're very agile. Like if I was going to scramble up a a mountain like that, would be the pack I'd take 100. Mm-hmm. percent Even though my neck size up jumps up uh, 12 liters, which is not a big jump, goes from 18 to um, so I said that was an eight liter pack before. I meant eighteen liter pack, which sounds like a lot, but it's it's not. And then the next jump for me is from eighteen to thirty five. I think is my next pack, which will bring us to our next subject of uh, of full day packs. Full day packs, right? Mm. Which, again, on the same point. You can take a multi-day pack and put less in it and cinch it down. Yep. Don't get caught in the trap of filling it just because it's yeah, there. Yeah, then you'll have too much. <laughs> then you'll have too much. It's almost a nice discipline to take a, a pack that's fit for purpose so that you have to watch what you pack. Uh, you know, obviously, a full-day pack's going to be physically larger. It's going to have more pockets like we discussed, but as you move into that full-day hike and you're carrying more gear is when you really start to need to take note of things like support and how is that pack going to go over five hours six hours eight hours or longer when you're you're moving through trails mountains whatever it might be and carrying more physical weight because all of a sudden you've gone from a two-hour hike to a six-hour hike, which means that you've got extra water, meals. Yeah, water and meals. And that's all of a sudden... And then and then I think at that point you're going to be throwing in a, a rain jacket, Yep. maybe a more substantial survival kit, depending on the, the sort of areas you go. You might start throwing in things like um, personal locator beacons, GPS, like all of a sudden there's weight, 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 weight is coming into it. And as soon as you add weight, and I know this from experience, if you take a pack and overload it, it is, is it not the worst nightmare? Oh, yeah. It is the, is the absolute most uncomfortable, demoralizing thing you can experience in hiking, I, I would say. Yeah, that's it. Is taking a pack that's too small overfilling it what you think about is if you get a a pack of a certain size it has a waistband and shoulder straps and kind of an internal frame or whatever external frame everything fits uh, what the manufacturer considers you're going to carry in that with the weight that they think you're going to carry in that if you overpack it all of a sudden those straps start the shoulder straps start digging in because they're too narrow. The waistband doesn't support enough weight because it was never designed to. It's not really the pack's fault. It's overloading was my biggest problem in hiking for a long time. And uh, mm-hmm. so then I just bought the biggest pack I could find. Never happened again. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's it. But no, I love a good day pack and you can get some uh, some suspension systems which mm. keep the pack off your back and it's able to do that because you're only putting you know eight to ten kilograms in it and 
and it it works really really well. But if you overload them, no, they. Mm. But some of them have really nice padding and straps, and you can um, you can happily take big yeah. cam- big cameras with you and all sorts of stuff. So yeah, I've overloaded my um, day pack though, my thirty five liter. I think it sits around thirty five liters. I've overloaded that before and paid the price. It doesn't have a waistband that's designed to take any weight. Mm. It's got good shoulder straps and a sternum strap. It's got a waistband to stop it slapping against your back when you're hiking up and down hills. Mm. Uh, it's got the um, kind of system you were talking about, Craig, where you, you behind the uh, shoulder straps, you, you crank down on these two um, how would you say straps, and it it creates a bow. Oh in yeah, the back. that's, that's the cool. The X vent, cool. it creates a bow. Do you shape. rate that? I actually, <laughs> I do like it because it puts a. You could put your whole arm in between the pack and your back and my back. I've seen that. I haven't not actually got a pack that does that, but I've seen oh, it. Oh right, no, and you, I've just gone. You wow. should chuck mine on one day. It's it's the real deal because it, then it's not touching your back. That'd be nice. And it's just got a. Um, piece of mesh against your back and the shoulder straps obviously touch your shoulders yeah. and the base touches your back but that's it and you know that's that that's a quality of a good good back day pack isn't it it is and it's not a uh, default quality either you're not going to find that on cheaper even a mid-range pack you're just not going to find that you're going to sit against your back mm-hmm. and that's okay mm-hmm. just be prepared for a bit of sweat it's yeah. alright yeah. it's it's what you when you start getting up in the dollars, you're gonna start seeing it. What, what is that bird on about, man? I'm trying to talk. <laughs> yeah, tough crowd, right? It's a tough. Everyone wants to say something around here. <laughs> uh, so yeah, again, it comes down to that. The more you spend, the more features are going to be included in that pack. And, but there's a decision: Do you need those features? How often are you hiking? How much of an avid hiker are you? Or are you a beginner and you want to test test the waters first with an affordable pack and upgrade later? I mean, that's 100% what Craig and I did. Yeah. Definitely. I've, the reason I've got so many packs is I kind of worked my way up. And every time I buy a new pack of any size, I've got learnings from the bits I didn't like about the old pack. And I'd say I'd never buy another pack unless it has xyz and that's kind of the, the process i use now yeah once it once it gets to day pack size and you you're going out for about four to six hours you you really need to consider making sure it's got good water properties like um and i would suggest a bladder system oh 100 percent. i think in that full day Full is, day. is where you're going to start so, to get so that it has um, to be able to pocket inside. You know, like I had some for a while. You had to put the tube out through a zip and like yes, through a standard zip for the pack, rather than having a rather than a dedicated a, um, little hole there that you somewhere to control and then it. That, then the uh, control keep, the good, hose down exactly, the exactly. The good pack's going to have little bungee cords or some, or clips or something so that it's always on your shoulder, and you might think. That's oh, not a big deal. Who cares? But I can tell you from experience that many times I've used packs that don't have a good uh, hose system. Not so much hose system. How would you explain it? Okay. Uh, a system for holding the hose. Oh yeah. In yeah. the right place, yeah. so that when you want to drink, it's right there. Mm. 
we literally this happened um because i'm using a yeah my spare pack i said to craig mate i, I need a drink i can't see <laughs> can the, get the i can't see the hose can, can you get you, the tube yeah can you get it and it had just fallen off my shoulder down behind my the side of my pack and i not only couldn't i couldn't see it but i couldn't reach around and grab it so um, yeah, because that spare you've got doesn't even have. It does not have. Um, the, the reason it doesn't reach down my shoulder is because it doesn't have one coming, a hole coming out fluid, the front. Fluid hole, or yeah. whatever they call it. Yeah, it doesn't have a specific hole. You've got to get up through the bag, which is wasting yeah, yeah. 20 or 30 centimetres of length of the hose. Oh, right. Yeah, so things like that are immediately a pain in the butt. And to be quite honest, if I was hiking alone... Uh, and didn't have you, Craig, there, I would have probably have to take my pack off for a second to get that hose uh, to have a drink. Mm. It's either that or, or don't have drinks. Yeah, once you get to that point and, you know, you might be carrying stuff for the kids as well as yourself and you might have, um, you know, quite a bit of water on board, all of a sudden you need a solid pack, something that's going, mm. going to... We, you know, last the whole day without hurting you, and um, and not 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 tear zips and not tear straps. So yeah, I've I've got a really decent day pack that I can carry a bunch of stuff in, but obviously I don't need to to go to the next level that we're about to get to with that pack. I, I wouldn't, but um, yeah, I know that it won't it won't break when I'm out there if I carry a bunch of stuff. Mm. And I just want to clarify too on the waistband. Uh, I know I was saying that my my full day pack uh, doesn't have a waist a weight bearing waistband, uh, but that doesn't mean that that's what I'm recommending. It was a pack that uh, popped up at the time. It's a fantastic, reliable brand that I've wanted for a long time. It popped up at a great price. Uh, I just couldn't say no, so I grabbed it. I knew it'd come in handy. Um, so yeah, just just to be clear on that, if you can get a, a day pack that has a good weight bearing waistband system, by all means, grab that. You're going to be better every single time. Would you Would you not agree with yeah, that? Yeah, that makes sense. Every single time, if you can get a waistband that that sits low on the hips. Yeah, and if it is a, a small volume bag, um, you can probably remove that waist strap if you look into the details. A lot of them you yes, can you actually. Can. That's a really good point. Have a day pack that you can just yeah. You know, so if you thought you're, oh, I'm only going to go out for a quick, for a quick couple of hours, I'm hardly taking any gear. Then, you, on as you say, on some packs you can remove that the frog's going crazy. The waist strap, yeah. You can remove the waist strap, and lighten your load inside the pack, which means negates the need for the waistband. So yeah, they're all those things to kind of consider. Listen to these guys. Yeah, I think there's some loving going on. Some kind of um, a battle of some sorts. The one over on the right is significantly bigger than these two here. Mate, why do you have to make it look like they're fighting when I think they're in love? Love is a battle. Really? Love is a battlefield, actually, I think. That's the song. Gas. Jeez. Oh, well, you certainly put a dampener on the mood, didn't you? Come on, let's move on. Let's move on to the big... Let's move on to the oh, big just checking boys. my notes. Just checking my notes. Yeah, I know we want to get to that. Uh, look, I think that covers it for day packs. Again, 
back to the point we made earlier, you could use a multi-day pack and just put less in it, cinch it all down and go out on a day hike. This all comes down to preferences and budget and I guess how much how much you're into hiking, how much you want to be into hiking. Sorry guys to drag you out of that beautiful scene that you were in, but I just wanted to give you the second code word for the Caribbean backpack giveaway and that is wilderness. That's right, simple as that, wilderness. Now go back and enjoy the podcast, goodbye. Now to our final category, overnight and multi-day. Uh-huh. The most exciting, in my opinion, because... Mm-hmm. The big guns. The big guns. But what makes it, why I say it's exciting is there is really something special and exciting about carrying your entire life on your back. What I mean by that is you're carrying your, your food, your cooking, your clothing, all of your kind of... Shelter, um, shelter. Yep, your shelter, all of your kind of, um, just everything else that, you know, your toothbrush. (laughs) Yeah, to sustain life. Yeah, that's right. Keep yourself safe and uh, sustain yourself out here for um, overnight or days on end if, if required. And there's, I mean, that's probably, if we want to get deep, it's the allure of multi day hiking is that is that attraction of saying, well, um, as we've done on this trip, I've headed out with everything I need to survive, carried it on my back, and, uh, you know, here we are uh, sitting in a stream uh, watching frogs. Mm. Not only is this romantic, but it's a romantic thought to have that sort of, yeah, that ability to, to take it all on your back and get out. Get mate, out away from the city. Mate, I'm flattered that you say this is romantic. It is. That's very kind. Well, these frogs. <laughs> nah, it's all good. Okay. Let's start with something I've already said a hundred times. You're definitely going to be wanting a heavy-duty, load-bearing waistband. And... Here's the mistakes I've made, Craig. Feel free to jump in with yours. My first pack, uh, it does not cinch in far enough on my hips. I have a small waist, and the, the thing is, I didn't realize this was happening. I didn't understand and I went and spent the money on a pack. I didn't know anything about packs for this kind of size. So in the shop, I put the thing on and I tightened it up and it was tight around my waist. Um, and that was fine and I bought it. But it took me a couple of years of of destroying my shoulders and assuming that, oh, that's just how it is, man. Suck it up. That's just how it is. Until I got my next pack and realized that my hips were too small for the pack. Yeah, you told me this, and I never realized. So you were actually pulling those I was pulling them in to the absolute maximum. maximum, Which has never happened. And I I could still kind of put 
um, some, you know, four four fingers up mm. up there. So that was a huge learning for me is putting up with it, thinking that I was the you know the <laughs> I was the just a person complaining because hiking hurts your shoulders. Shut up. That that's what hiking is. And then later on, learning that no, you you didn't have the right um, sized waistband. It it was not supporting the weight of the pack. Now what happens? As soon as it doesn't support the weight of the pack, everything goes on your shoulders. And what happens with everything on your shoulders is, within a very short amount of time. When I say short amount of time, I'm talking two hours. Uh, 15, 20, 25 kilos is going to push so hard down on your traps uh, that they're almost, they're going to feel like they've been hit with a baseball bat and they're bruised and Craig, would you agree that psychologically just grinds on you when your shoulders are hurting? Yeah, yeah, you get a headache, it's just it's That's just right, fun. you get a headache, the, the, it goes up through the back of your neck so that's a big one, guys. Don't don't get caught out. Um, don't let a sales guy, um, you know, just say that it packs right with you. If you can get into a store and throw some weight into it, and make sure that when you do that waist strap up, don't even do the shoulder straps up, and make sure that that the waistband's taking the weight. Mm. In, it, I don't want to talk to experienced people about basic things, but if, if you are a beginner and you're listening to this, the shoulder straps aren't to take the weight of the pack. The shoulder straps are there to keep the pack vertical from falling off your back, essentially. Um, inevitably, they take a small percentage of weight. That's understandable. But when when I've gone from one to the other, and the difference is... It's unbelievable. The the joy of hiking came back to me in a very real way when I tightened up that waistband on the new pack and head out into the wilderness and had no shoulder pain for days. It was, it was the best thing I ever did. The best learning too. <laughs> oh yeah, I've never had that problem. I've got a a little bit of a larger waist. Have you got the opposite problem? Yeah, I've got the opposite problem. I can't do them up. <laughs> I can't do them up half the time. They're all too small. But um, when we were talking about waist belts and, and st- shoulder straps, uh, I, I, I actually was so upset when I saw how good your first pack was, even though you just told me how it wasn't, because it had pockets. It had pockets. It had... Um, all these little options on the waist belt, which um, since I've found packs that do have that, and it's so much better. You know what I mean? Mm. Do you mean the? Um, do you mean my first pack? Yeah, didn't it have? Um, yeah, it did have two little, little pockets. No, that's my that's my pack that just broke. No, you had some even on your. Um, well, I might have had a small zipper pocket. You did. I'm sure you did. And I never did because um, my first one had just these boring plain straps around the waist and the chest and now I've got packs which have so because you can access you can put things close at hand and mm-hmm. you can uh, there's lots of things I use that for um, in fact I carry a little chest pack now when we're out and about so having things that you can grab easily with while your packs on means mm-hmm. means having things located on the hip and on the on the chest straps 
yes. has, has made a difference. Yours has got quite a few options now, hasn't it? My, the you one that just, just broke. broke. <laughs> let's not talk about it. Uh, no, let's talk about it. What happened to yours again? Oh, well, we said. It's, um, it, is it the best features of that pack? Well, no, it, it, it was exceptional in every way mm. for seven years. Ago. Oh, yeah. It, but except for two days ago. Yeah. Um, where do I start? The waistband on that was thick, and I mean physically. Wide. So not just wide from top to bottom, which is obviously going to disperse uh, pressure points around your hips. Uh, because waistbands are going to bruise your hips if they're too narrow, and also the thickness, so the thickness of the padding was exceptional, uh, and I, I just loved it. I just can't say enough good things about it. The other thing is, the first time I looked at the shoulder straps, I thought, wow, that, that looks like a bit of overkill in the in the thickness. And when I, I don't mean the width of the shoulder strap, I'm talking the actual thickness that goes over your shoulder. Yep. I thought, oh, that that's uh, rather thick. I don't, I don't know why they've gone to that much uh, trouble, given that my previous pack was, was half the thickness in the foam. But again, when I the first hike I did and I realized that once you're an hour down the trail, everything starts to sink in and all foam starts to compress and you end up cinching up your waist belt a bit tighter because it's all everything's starting to compress and you're settling in. You, you pull down on your shoulder straps a bit more. If you've only got thin foam there and it's already depleted, then you really don't have that additional support. So I'd almost say the thicker the better if, if it's good quality um, compressed foam and that sort of thing. Hmm. On the pocket topic, it does it does come down to what you what you do. But I I think that I I don't think I could find a person that wouldn't agree that uh, you know. And let's talk to my old pack on the waist band i had a pocket on the left and the right side of the buckle significant ones big enough to fit an iphone in uh, but deeper so i could put um trail snacks in which i i would i'd put you know like a ziploc of of nuts or something in one side or whatever mm -hmm. uh maybe mobile phone in the other and then i had on, so on the, the the vertical straps, on the shoulder straps, I had two lapel pockets that were interchangeable and you could take them off and on depending on what... In fact, I took them off and put them on this temporary pack just so I could have a pocket knife on my lapel, just so I could have uh, my mobile phone on my lapel. And as Craig said... You can't put a price on access when you're cruising along a trail, you're in the groove, and you think, oh, look, I don't want to stop. I don't want to have a proper stop. Um, I just want to catch my breath, grab a handful of trail mix, uh, a drink, catch my breath, and I just want to keep moving. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I might just grab my phone out mm. and check, um, you know, check my map app, see where I'm at. 
or you might have a GPS or you might or just, GPS yeah so you got a GPS shoved in oh, let me just check the GPS you might just need to put your sunglasses somewhere yeah you know, you and know. you don't want to be shoving these things in your in your pockets because they're a pain in the backside when they're digging in and rubbing in all day long yeah so yeah that those things for me were massive and when I saw the extent of the pockets across uh, the front of the pack uh, I was I was um, very impressed and also down the sides, all over really. It's yeah. just and so that's where the the ultralight team might have a a little bit of a kickback about that and say, well, and because most of their packs are very minimal. Oh, extreme. it's a hundred percent just a kind of like a tube with straps and yeah. I've seen them to the extent where they don't have the, you know, the head section that that folds down and you clip yeah. that. I've seen them, they don't even have that. They just yeah. got a drawstring at the top. Yeah, that's why it's such a different topic. It's so vastly different to what, uh, yeah, to the kind of level of comfort that we're trying to get while yeah. we're out there. But every every little zip and every extra stitching that they do on some of these bigger packs that we're talking about, um, you know, adds up in weight. It does, but also durability. You add um, you add a pocket. It's um, it's weight. So that that is some that's a valid point. Uh, if you if the, if none of that's a concern to you, yeah, then yeah. then you're not going to need to look into that. Something to really take into consideration is once you move into that, the, so the overnight multi-day packs, you're going to start to have the opportunity to choose sizes mm, say uh, within the pack range that you're looking at. Sometimes you will have a physically different internal frame. Other times you'll have the ability to adjust. So that the last pack that I've been talking about, um, it had a lot of adjustment points where you could completely remove the shoulder straps and move them significantly closer down towards the waistband. I'm uh, very tall and between my hips and my shoulders uh, is a long distance in the, in the pack world so I would have it I had it maxed out on the top but it still sat and took all the weight on my hips if if I haven't made it clear if your pack is not physically long enough for your body the waistband is not going to sit on the top of your hips or around the top sort of half of your hips. It's not going to take the load that it needs to take. And again, you've got that problem on your shoulders. No matter how expensive the pack is, if it doesn't stretch the length of your body, it's it's unpointless. You're going to have these problems of a cheap pack. Yeah, make sure it's adjustable at least to some point so that you can um, yeah make sure it fits you yeah either adjustable or some some manufacturers come out and say we've got a small medium large come get measured up or measure yourself up how tall are you yeah, yeah. what's the distance between you know your shoulders and your hips? okay you're definitely a large or you're a medium choose that one no dramas but but be mindful of it that uh, you think about all the different shapes and sizes of people there's no such thing as a one size fits all uh, it's something to consider along the way. Rain cover, something we haven't really touched on in any of the others. It's not as um, not as important, but when you're moving into those 
longer hikes, inevitably you're going to hit uh, bad weather. Also, they're fantastic for just keeping all your straps in and just keeping your bag safe at night from vermin trying to get in, get your food and stuff like that. Mm. It's not going to stop a grizzly or anything, just to be clear. Uh, it will stop these frogs. They wouldn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. But some packs have, it, for example, my first pack had it as a side in a side pocket, and if if you needed it, you just you just take it out and put it on, and it, it had an elastic thing, it's a fairly standard thing across the board. Uh, my last pack, what I really liked about it was um, just the bottom was tethered with a heavy duty strap and sewn into the uh, into the rain cover. So as you, it was almost like a, one of those emergency parachutes. You'd undo the Velcro at the bottom and you'd pull out the rain cover oh. and it, the bottom was always attached to the pack and then you just put the top over. Now, why that is so important, I've actually been in a situation where I saw somebody take their, I'm pretty sure it was in Tasmania, I saw somebody take their pack cover off. As they were taking it off, it was quite windy and gusty, and it just snatched this rain cover like a parachute out of their hand and just took it like way down the side of this mountain uh, in seconds. And I thought, wow, that, that really solidifies that little tether on my my rain jacket off from my back like it's a fantastic idea i never thought yeah, about it yeah. the other thing is you can't lose it you can't misplace it it's just always there and it just stuffs back in the bottom um i don't know if that's a common thing it's certainly not something i've seen on many packs but i don't know something to consider definitely mm. a, a rain uh when you start to get into those size packs and those dollars, they should be coming free. Right? You should be getting. I mean, every pack you've got, does it come with a rain cover? No, I'm saying no. Unfortunately, my new pack. No, I had to pay extra for the rain. Um, oh, okay, so you but they're available, but yeah, you yeah. paid extra you just have for to them. Tick that box. Cause, okay, um, I bought mine's a fancy. My new one's a fancy hunting pack that on it from a reputable online deal, and I had to measure my back. So when you run your your fingers down your neck, uh, there's this vertebrae that sticks mm-hmm. out. The first one you come to that actually sticks out if you bend your yeah. chin down. Yep. From that point to where the actual top of your hips, you run to the center there, you can feel the top of your hips, and then you have to measure that with a tape. <laughs> yeah, right. And you go to that extent of picking your frame size, and then, yeah, then you go in and, and order the pack because you can have multiple packs can attach to this frame. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite modular. And that's been really good because I can swap out packs. Uh, the you can have a smaller pack or a bigger pack, and you can have different different strapping as well, which is the, called the harness. And so it's quite modular. And then yeah, you have to tick the extra box if you want to get a rain uh, thing. But I I've been a little bit tight there, and I've used a, a rain uh, coat or rain cover from an old pack, which could fly away in the breeze actually yeah don't take it out in the wind dude yeah i've seen it happen before (laughs) it's brutal it's brutal uh yeah it's um no it's really interesting um 
the level of detail that you had to go to to get that that sized. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. The other interesting thing is you, you just touched on it then is saying that you bought a hunting pack. Yep. Um, whilst we're not going to go into brands here, that was what I had as well. And I know I know that it's going to a lot of people are going to be thinking, what what the hell? Why would you be going in that direction when there's a such a massive array of hiking? Um, packs out there and understand why you moved into that direction well for Craig and I oh see that yeah yeah yeah, I'm watching it he jumped on him do you reckon they're fighting or that was deliberate like there's no yeah they jump on each other (laughs) oh god this is a great show uh, sorry, guys. It's hard to concentrate. This is happening this right is, in front of our feet. Uh, when I say right, like you would have heard that plop. Yeah. In front of my foot, that is two foot yeah. in front of my foot, is a frog making funny noises and getting attacked. Mm-hmm. Here he comes up. Oh, okay. This, they're great. Anyway, awesome. the point I was trying to make there is. Uh, I've filmed documentary before uh, over a seven-day hike. It was very important for me to carry a lot of camera gear. It was very important for me to have access to spare batteries, lenses, all sorts of things without having to take my pack off all the time. That's when I started to research uh, a wide variety of packs. That's when I started to realize that uh, predominantly, um, hunters are adding more pockets to their packs, uh, utilizing those things for um, bits and pieces, uh, you know, from GPS to um, ammunition to uh, all, all sorts of things, uh, radios, all sorts of stuff. And the more I looked into it, and they're also designed to take heavier payloads. And the decision-making process for me was okay. I don't. I don't want to always carry heavy gear, but if I have to, I want to know that the pack's designed to take a stupid amount of gear, so that when I carry a normal amount, or slightly over normal, like Craig's audio gear that we've got here and my cameras that we bought with us on this trip, mm-hmm. uh, that it's going to sustain that weight. It's not going to break down over time. Maybe over seven mm-hmm. years. Over seven years. <laughs> Uh, but in the short term, like there's nothing wrong with the pack itself, and also my body's not going to deteriorate under that weight mm-hmm. uh, over a seven-day period when because the straps aren't good enough because they're not built for weight, or the waist belt's not good enough, and or it's really irritating because it doesn't have any front pockets. Mm. Yeah, and you know we we managed to find some products that are really technical but also using carbon fiber frames and you can have some really good materials that are lightweight and so it's not much more weight than my previous which was a hiking specific pack and i'm finding it much more versatile Uh, i I don't do hunting it's not why i bought the pack but it certainly um ticked a lot of boxes in terms of you know if you, you can compartment 
the you know compartmentalize yep. all your gear that makes a big difference for me I, I i i can't just stand putting my arm in just hoping to find <laughs> the thing that you've got that's it man we spoke about this used to have color dry today. bags just to try and work it out so being able to have um they've even got straps inside the bag so you can just keep things into their position which yep which is fantastic i, I don't know it's, it's overkill for a lot of people but for us it's really come in handy mm. and just to be clear not all hunting packs are camo just that's the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we've got uh, mine was a kind of nice dark green. I just realised that's probably what they've got in their mind. Yeah, no, that's what they're thinking. Hundred percent is oh, like, yeah. I don't want to walk around looking like a um, yeah, I'm in the military. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mine, mine was a dark green, and Craig's is kind of an olivey green, uh, or almost like a grey of sorts. But anyway, yeah. um, the the point is they're a highly technical pack, and you know, it's just interesting that. That's the, the the route I went down um, for my second pack, and then when Craig I think got to his third, he started looking at it and thought, well, you know what, it, it actually kind of starts to make a lot of sense. So there's a lot of technical hunting packs out there, even if you're just doing it for the purposes of comparison. Maybe just check it out. It's it's, it's not as crazy as you think. Uh, something that's that's important i think for the main section of the pack is is uh various accent access points uh so on my first pack you could only get straight down to the top yep. or you could get in from sort of the the bottom at the front uh to, that's where you kind of put There's your, like a little cave down the bottom yeah you kind of put your sleeping bag or whatever yeah, or your cooker in there or yeah whatever. or you could unzip the middle membrane and you Between just have, them, a, have a full a tube yeah yep i had one like that yep it was the most frustrating ordeal if you wanted something that was down the bottom of your pack everything comes out of the pack it was ridiculous it drove me crazy then i think craig's second pack had a zip across the, the front the front and i thought well that that's that's incredible that's what a fantastic idea and was it you third pack that the whole front kind of zipped off or was that the second one one so this one now um you literally zip a kind of a u-shape and it just all folds down and you can see all your gear laying out there in front of you it's incredible yeah and the value of that that whole front section that folds out that's just got all of my first aid and, and navigation and Eperb and all of that, and a, a, a raincoat and all that's just in there, and I mm. know it's there, and it never has to be involved with the because I don't touch that's that exactly stuff. That's exactly right, and it's just yeah. It, it, it and makes, I don't know if it's the kind of OCD in 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 your environment. I think it might be in. I, I think it might be in quite a few hikers. No, though. no, no. Because I don't think I'm. I'm mate, I, I I typically would come at things a little bit less uptight about things, but it's just made life so much better. It, well, yeah, we, as I said before, when you're carrying everything you need on your back, you also want it to be uh, accessible. And you, and you know from hiking with me for years that we'll often be hiking along and I'll say, ah, oh, Craig, um, you know, oh, my, my GoPro battery's flat, mate. Can you go to the 
the bottom pocket on the left and mm -hmm. just grab another one or can you go into the top compartment and grab this or something and mm -hmm. and you say oh yeah here it is because when I'm packing I always put things in the same place mm -hmm. and when I set my pack down and it's time to get dinner I open the you know I open the left hand side of the pack and all the dinner's in that side and if I need more batteries it's the right side that's just how I've always done it it makes it just makes it's just we sound like we're complaining or or are we are we getting across the point that convenience really does make hiking more enjoyable hmm. that's what I'm trying to say I want to sound like a whingy a whingy person because there's, I know there's people out there way more relaxed than us that would just throw everything in a sack and wouldn't couldn't care less. They go, well, we'll just get it all out on the ground when you get there, man. What's the big deal? Yeah. <laughs> and that's fine. I'm not even. I don't even have anything against that. It's it's each to their own, and I I have a more pleasurable experience when I know where to get my um, snacks when I'm hangry. <laughs> That's it. That's the main thing. <laughs> this is the main thing. Uh, there they go. The, um, some of the things that are going to start to come into play in these bigger packs are going to be detachable head units. So the top of the pack... Um, well, my last two packs, in fact, have been specifically designed to be removed and uh, another strap joins up with them and they'll become like a um well what like a fanny pack fanny pack for all of you american listeners uh it's a bum bag in australia that's right and you know maybe that is i think i did it once with mine uh when i i'd stopped at the base of a mountain converted into that and just took the the, the bare essentials and hiked up and down the mountain, put it back on the pack and then continued. Mm -hmm. uh, can't say that it's ever come into play any other time. I thought it was a great gimmick at the time on the first pack. Never ever did it because I, there was just not a situation where that would come into play. So yeah, it, it's not a big thing, but the option's there if you're the sort of person that's hiking into a location and then instead of carrying another day pack with you you could potentially use this even if you just slung it over your shoulder um, like diagonally you'd, mm -hmm. you'd still be fine with that whoa what was that a micro bat that flew straight up the canyon and zoomed a meter and a half over our heads well this place is you know what's going to happen next is a big Carpet python is going to come sliding down so the rocks gross. looking for frogs to eat at night. Oh, I can't believe that micro bat only ran into us. Uh, okay, here, here's the last thing, the last point I've got for the multi day overnight packs, and that is whilst I would, I, I would never consider this a uh, a deal breaker like I wouldn't walk out of a store if the pack was absolutely perfect but it didn't have this it's something that um, I didn't really have on my first pack not to this extent but then my second one does and I've thought I'd almost never buy a pack 
that doesn't have this. And what it is, it's quite simply uh, a handle up in between the shoulder straps to carry the thing with. Of course. And the amount of times you grab that and throw your pack around yeah, it's important. is, That's is unbelievable. Really important. If you're yanking on your shoulder straps all the time, you're gonna you end up snapping them or ruining them or something. Yeah, strange. It, but plus, it's difficult to lift it up and um, but test it because some of them have it, but it's not in the right spot and it doesn't let you lift it up evenly and it just tends to tip yeah, the swing, bag. Yeah, it's like swings, swings forward. The bag, yeah, so yeah, I know exactly. It's got to be between the shoulder blades. I think. What's that? That's a toad. Yeah. A filthy toad. That big one. Yeah, he's just in the leaves. Okay. Uh, so that's the last point. Yeah, that and that's something. As I said, my first pack had this little, uh, kind of poor man's attempt at a strap, and I thought, oh, that's that's pretty handy. But then the last pack had a big heavy duty strap, well sewn into the pack. There was never any danger of that thing tearing, and to be able to throw that in and out the car, drag it around, um, pick it up to chuck it on your back and stuff, and so if you think about it, the shoulder straps are designed to take, for argument's sake, 50% of the weight of your pack each, right? They're never designed to pick up every single time by one strap. And I've seen people um, where their shoulder straps starting to tear, and I would probably argue that they, every time they pick it up, put it on their back, they grab it by the same side uh, to throw it up, and it's, it's not good for your pack. It's not good for you at all. Mm. So yeah, if it does have a, a, a great handle, then mm. yeah, that's something worth considering. Mm. I have to say, I think we've, whilst we might not have covered everything, we've probably certainly extinguished our knowledge of packs. Run out of things. Time for bed. I, I just want to probably say that, like with all your gear, sometimes this might be a good thing to say. Tom, you have to have to retire your gear or repair your gear. And I think um, I've I've been caught out. We, when you're going on things like a four to five day hike or longer, I mean, I, I don't do much longer than that, but uh, you really want it to, to make it all the way through. And so I got caught out in, the, in, in Tassie last year with a um, just the whole top head. What do they call that? You called it something before. Oh, I just called it a head. I don't know what it's called. You, you yeah, that folds off. over the top. Yeah. But I could, I could not reattach it on the last day, luckily, and um, it, 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 it could have, you know, really just spoiled mm. the trip. And if it was a, it was, a, if it was a more important structural problem, um, yeah, you, you would have had a, a long trip home. Well, it's not. I mean, it's no laughing matter if you're. On that um, track that we did, that Craig's talking about, uh, there's no other way in or out. Mm. So you, once you head in, and if you're three days in, that means you're three days out as well. Yep. You, you, and and what, are you, what are you going to do? How are you going to carry that amount of weight back out if shoulder strap snaps off? Yeah. Because you've run your pack into the ground. Yeah. Perhaps arguably like I just did two days ago. Yeah, and I think that's why they told us at the very start of all this hiking that we got into, mate, that you need to have a good pack, you need to have good boots, and you need to have good sleep and shelter as well. Mm. So if 
if any of that gear looks like it might not make you through the trip it might be time to retire it and get something new for the trip and and so yeah i, I just wanted to say that these things don't last forever mm. you, you might want to just say hey look this thing's been through seven major trips and um let's get a new one yeah you you definitely you know as you said it was the last day but you got caught out with that and then um didn't, didn't some is that the only thing that tore i thought something else oh my shoes to, went remember yeah no i thought on the pack there was another kind of seam coming up um but yeah but um my pack for example, before this trip, I was I was thinking about this on the hike, and thinking, what if I had packed that and it had stayed together enough mm, to, to make it to the trail, to get it on my back, to hike for two hours, and then the shoulder strap snapped off. Yeah, that wouldn't have been like, good. That is a Serious, serious. Because we're talking about hey, twenty. Ki- how do you carry twenty? How do you carry kilos? that out without the second arm strap? I don't know. I, I think it would be a long and slow trip, and a horrific one. Yeah, with that hill. <laughs> that so anyway, yeah, it's it's a pretty good point, Greg. I think they, uh, you you can't really have a go at my pack for, um, snapping after seven years. Yeah. Um, I just wish I had seen it coming a bit earlier. It is what it is, guys. Look, thanks for for listening. I hope hope everyone got something out of that. Mm. It's a hot topic, and I'm sure people could debate everything we've said all day. But at the end of the day, if you're taking some of these things into consideration when thinking about upgrading or or purchasing, I don't think you're going to go too far wrong. Add a bit of actual research into that and talk to people that know what they're talking about, and you'll be just fine. Mm-hmm. Shall we say good night? I think so. Yeah. Good night from us and um, good, good night, night from the frogs. The frogs and the critters. <laughs> Alright, take it easy guys. We'll catch you next time. See ya. Hey guys, it is just us back in the studio. Thanks so much for listening through. I really do hope you got something out of that. I'm just jumping in, obviously, to give you the third code word for the Caribbean Backpack giveaway, and that is HODCAST. So you've got all three words now. Jump on the podcast show notes for episode 41. There'll be information there on how to enter. You'll need those three code words, and we'll take it from there. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate your support. See you later. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, We'd really appreciate your ratings and comments if you can spare the time. If you'd like to know more about Hike or Die TV and keep track of our adventures around Australia, make sure you drop by hikeordie.com. That's where you'll find all the information you'll need to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or Pinterest. As always, we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening.